0: As we read this Shabbat, the Torah portion that includes the Ten Commandments, I feel a desire to admit something to you, something that's actually been weighing on me for decades. A few of you know this, close friends, but I don't talk about it publicly, which is that as a kid, I used to break one of the Ten Commandments all the time. (laughs) I used to steal. Specifically, I used to steal Beanie Babies. Not from a store, it wasn't from a store, whatever. It was like somehow less bad that way, but I used to steal Beanie Babies from my best friend. (laughs) Okay, 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 all right. Now, to be clear, was it Josh, did you just ask? Okay, it was not Josh, it was not Cantor Breitzer, it was his sister. <laughs> all right, Already. all right. That's what happened, okay? I did it. For that matter, Josh's mom is a therapist, so we spent a lot of time processing this, but. All right, bring it back together, folks. <clears throat> I did it all the time. <laughs> I was just so envious of her complete collection. (laughs) Which, actually, if you think about it, broke another one of the Ten Commandments, which is coveting, and then I lied about it, breaking yet another one of the Ten Commandments. (laughs) Avera goreiret avera, a sin leads to another sin, and so on, here we are. Now, by now, Josh's sister has retrieved all her beanie babies. I hope they still have the tags on them. Okay. And fortunately, my thefts end there. But as I read Parshat Yitro and the Ten Commandments yet again this week, I couldn't help but think about this memory, especially since it was rooted in covetousness. Now, covetousness or envy is something that all of us endure from time to time. It seems that no matter what we're going through, Planning a wedding, perhaps, or making a career move, looking at new apartments, or considering really any life moment, the matter of comparing ourselves to others and envying what they have is at the heart of so many people's experiences. I'm sure all of us can relate to this, at least on some level. And our tradition has a lot to say about this. Parashat Yitro is just one of the separate times or two separate times that the Ten Commandments appears in the Torah. It also comes up in Deuteronomy in nearly the exact same form. The words are a little bit different, but the structure is more or less the same. There's one God. You shall not bow down to idols. You shall not use God's name in vain. Observe Shabbat, and you shall honor your father and mother. The list starts strong giving us some of Judaism's greatest hits. And then the next four are more terse and kind of obvious. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, and you shall not lie. Fine, we get it. We can all agree on these basic universal commandments of behavior. And then one final commandment. You shall not covet the belongings of your neighbor. And there's the rub, or at least there's the key piece of this Parsha to explore when it comes to envy. The text says explicitly, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male or female slave, or ox, or ass, or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, if there's ever a question about the intended audience of the Torah, the idea of not coveting your neighbor's wife does make things more complicated, assuming a male Israelite audience. But setting aside gender, if we can, you shall not covet, crave, desire, yearn for these various things. This is kind of an outlier in the list, certainly of the last five, but really all of these Ten Commandments. In general, the first five are things that happen in our hearts, legislating our relationships with God and our forebears. Our sages tell us that the second half is devoted to prohibited actions, not just things that live in the heart, but things that we actually do. Murder, adultery, theft, deceit, these are obvious behaviors. But our sages, at least some of them, also understand the language of you shall not covet as a reference to theft. Maimonides argued, for instance, that coveting is kind of a gateway drug to theft, and kind of almost theft, where your mouth waters and your body tingles and you can't help but steal. Do that what you will. This too is, I suppose, kind of physical. And as my beanie baby envy proves, it can indeed lead to theft. But this view relies on a bit of rabbinic wordsmithing and making things up. Lo-tachmod, the Hebrew phrasing of thou shalt not covet, does not literally mean anything physical at all. Tachmod is from the same root as chemda, delight, or desire. It carries with it a taste of excitement, jealousy, lust, maybe greediness. It's very much a word of feeling and can be good or bad, depending on the context. Given the semantic field, not every sage agrees with Maimonides. Radak, David Kimchi, for example, said in the 12th century that coveting is in the heart, whereas robbery, mentioned earlier, must be done with the hands. And the commentaries basically seem evenly split on this question of whether not coveting is a behavior or a feeling. I think I fall into the non-Maimonidean camp on this one. I'm not convinced that the last of the Ten Commandments is legislating in action. But if not, then what is happening with this Tenth Commandment? What is it really asking of us? And I'll remind you, I think you all know, this is a group of very literate Jews, I can tell from your faces. There are not just 10 commandments, but how many? 613. Great. I, okay, I've heard a few different answers, depending on, <laughs> depending on, actually, there's some graduate level answers in here, but that's another story. 613 is the one I was looking for. And all the others are supposed to flow from these top 10 headlines. And... They're supposed to flow into one another. What might the Torah want from us then when it commands us not to covet what other people have? The Torah knows it can't really stop us from feeling or thinking certain things. Our tradition knows that human beings have a propensity for being envious. Living among other people means seeing what other people have. And comparison is only natural. Capitalism might argue that a little envy is a good, th- good thing, since it might push you to work harder, if you're into that kind of thing. Or to take a different approach when oppressed people see the bounty of their oppressors, whether physical or vis-a-vis their rights, a comparison to the powerful can inspire them to act, a foment revolution that leads to equity. But those heady takes are not really the subject of the Ten Commandments. I think when we read the text in its limited way, we can realize that it's though it's natural for us to compare ourselves to others, to check out our neighbors' houses or the, their wives, as the case may be, the goal is to understand that desire and to, ter- to determine how it's working out for us. The goal of being aware of our own desire or perhaps even our own covetousness is to not be fooled by our jealousy, jealousy or our envy into believing things that are actually not true. Namely, we should not believe that somehow we are less just because we have less than someone else. And if we're looking for an action here, perhaps the action is checking in with our feelings to see what's actually going on. Abraham Ibn Ezra gives us the example of a person who feels envious of a bird who can fly. But as much as he wants to fly himself, he knows that flying is not his lot in life. And so, notwithstanding modern aviation, such a person can rejoice in his own abilities, knowing that God gave him extraordinary gifts worth using as opposed to spending his days lamenting his winglessness. Now, this is a sweet parable from Ibn Ezra, even if it's not so realistic. We know that a person can very easily spend their life lamenting their winglessness or any other aspect of their experience. The modern Torah scholar, Nechama Leibovich, calls BS on this idea too. Man cannot overcome his desires, she writes simply by consciousness of that which is prohibited to him. But, pointing to the Ten Commandments as a whole, she explains that what one can do is achieve proper observance of the prohibition thou shalt not covet by concentrating his desires on the values that God would have him cherish. In other words... It's not so helpful to focus on what one doesn't have. Instead, we should focus with all our hearts on what's going on for us inside all of our hearts, what that actually means. And by doing that, we can actually figure out how best to live our lives. Ultimately, the problem with being jealous or envious or covetous is that it isn't really what we think it is. Maybe we think we want more Beanie Babies when really we just want attention from our parents. You can thank my therapist for that insight. Maybe we think we want a bigger home or a bigger job like so-and-so has when we really just want validation. And the list goes on. If we're being honest, every one of us is a little envious or covetous of something or someone. As a middle-class 30-something in this part of Brooklyn, believe me, I often look around and feel envious of things that I may never afford. So how might I or how might we make sense of this mitzvah not to covet? I think this last of the Ten Commandments is an invitation to probe what's really going on inside. When we have a feeling of desire, it's important to assess what our needs really are. To remember that we mostly have what we need, and as worthy images or worthy humans created in the image of God, we are enough. When we realize a need, a true need, isn't being met, then we can go out and seek to fill it. But the mitzvah begs us to do this for real, to go out seeking what we really need instead of obsessing over what we think we do. Shabbat Shalom. Shalom, Yahshakorach.